How you be? This is Bills by the Numbers, where we let the stats tell you where the Bills are at. We're brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Halfway through the season, the NFL has had more close games than ever before. What does that mean for the Bills? And could there be more tight games on Buffalo's horizon? Former Vikings linebacker Ben Lieber joins us to talk Vikings, and Steve has the numbers game. Let's kick the game winner right now! So happy to have you with us. Bill's Wall of Famer Steve Tasker, Bill's insider Chris Brown with you, and we dive headlong into a development that has been partly responsible for the jumble of teams we see atop the AFC and the NFC midway through the 2022 season. Through Week 9, there have been 72 games decided by 7 points or less, 79 games decided by one score, 8 points. Both are the most such games through the first nine weeks all-time NFL history. 10 of 12 games, over 83% in Week 9, were within one score in the fourth quarter, and there have been 103 games within one score in the fourth quarter this season, the most such games through the first nine weeks in NFL history. Buffalo has been in that situation in four of their eight games this year, winning two and losing two. Should we expect, Steve, there to be another four over the final nine games of Buffalo's regular season? Yes, Yes. Law of averages. Yeah, law of average. I think at least four. Uh, this is a, it's a at hard. At least four. Yeah, okay. I think it's a hard game. It's a hard league to win in, uh, particularly since, you know, given the fact the Bills are, you know, struggling with some injuries, they're going to have guys in and out of the lineup. Yeah. They're not the juggernaut they were at the beginning of the season because they lost Micah Hyde. Jordan Porter's been in and out of the lineup. Spencer Brown's been in and out of the lineup. Now you got an elbow injury with John. I mean, you go down the list. Uh, it's not something they've had to deal with in other years, and every other team is the exact same way. They all got guys that are yeah. nicked up. So the the field is evened greatly once you get past the first line of defenders and, and offensive weapons on each team. It becomes a league of a very even playing field across the board. So, you know, as the league as the season wears on, more and more teams are going to be relying on their entire roster. Yeah. And things are it's hard to get a leg up with your backups against their backups or or, or vice versa. It's but that's that's the rule now yeah. rather than the exception. Minnesota has been one of the few teams that has been uncommonly healthy. They've had all five of their starting offensive linemen healthy throughout the season. The only place where they've had an injury is at the defensive tackle position with Dalvin Tomlinson and the tight end position, and they replaced their tight end, Irv Smith, with T.J. Hawkinson yeah, in a trade. They upgraded. Yeah, they've been one of the uncommonly healthy teams this season, that, and it's probably a big reason why they're 7-1. and one. As for the Bills, though, Steve, with these nine games that remain – I agree with you. I think it's reasonable to believe that they're going to have some more close games, especially with the division games they still have on their schedule. Four of them still left in their final nine games, and those end up usually being tight games, and they were so far. Two-point game with Miami, three-point game with the Jets. So knowing there are four of those left, I think it's very reasonable to expect close games here on the horizon. And as you pointed out, if Josh Allen's elbow injury lingers a little bit, maybe he's not himself even if he is playing, that could kind of narrow the margins going forward as well. Four teams last week overcame deficits of at least 10 points to win. Jacksonville, 17-point deficit. 
Chargers, 10. Minnesota, 10 against Washington last week. And the New York Jets, who were down 11 points to the Bills and handed them their first loss when leading by double digits since week one of last season. There have been 27 games in which a team has overcome a deficit of at least 10 points to win or tie the third most such games through the first nine weeks of a season all time, trailing only 1987 when there were 31 and 2020 when there were 29. The Bills did it once themselves this season against the Ravens in week four when they were down by double digits. In terms of comeback ability, we have seen the Bills succeed twice in these close games, fail in two others both of which were in their division. Knowing division games are likely to be tight in a division race that is also tight, what is your level, Steve, of confidence that Buffalo can pull enough of those games out to hold on to their number one seed in the conference, knowing that's their top goal this year? Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough road. I mean, you've got nine teams in each conference right now that if they don't have an outright winning record, they're within one game of 500. Mm-hmm. That's a majority of teams in both conferences. And the Bills have got to plow through those conferences, both conferences in the remaining games. You're, you're up against some teams that can hang in there with anybody. I think that's the big difference this season that we see that we didn't don't notice in other years coming up to this one is that most teams find a way to hang tough even when they're down. Um, I think that's a I think that's a shout out to analytics where coaches are making some different decisions even when they're down about going for it, about the kind of play selection, and about self scouting and also knowing their opponent and what yeah. their percentages are. I think it really makes uh, those margins are shortening up all over the league, and teams are finding a way that. You know, if you make a better decision here, the downside is not so down as it used to. If you kind of go for it here or not here, uh, when to go for the field goals, when not to. How to improve win probability. How to improve your win probability is a wide and deepening uh, stat line that keeps these games closer. Yeah, I'm anticipating a topsy-turvy race here down the stretch. I mean, I know the Bills are sitting atop the conference heading into Week 10, but I expect them to slide down a week, slide maybe back up another week. We see teams catch fire and pull away either from the pack or right at the top of the conference right around this time, mid-November to mid-December. We all hope Buffalo is one of those teams that pulls away, but I believe there could be two, maybe three teams that do that in the AFC. As we know, it's a jumble in the conference, and because of all these tight games, which there's no reason to think they're not going to continue – you're usually fortunate to come out on the right end of half of those games. So you're going to drop some, and you're going to pull out some, which, incidentally, Steve, makes what the Vikings have done the last six weeks all the more impressive. Yeah, Six straight one-score victories. That's right, That's and that's pretty amazing. Uh, you look at what they've done, and you think, well, there's got to be something in there. And certainly you can poke holes in there, you know. Taylor Heineke was the quarterback they faced. They've, they faced backup quarterbacks in a number of Miami. occasions. Miami. So, okay. And the fact that those were close games kind of gives you like, well, maybe they're not that good. But there is something in there. You always kind of insert some intangible quality that gives teams the ability to win close games. I, there's so much in there. I don't, know that there's a, I don't know that you can do that accurately. I think the Bills are more accurate 
a more accurate representation. You're going to win half, you're going to lose half when you're in these close games. And it depends. Are you up that small margin or are yeah. you down that small margin at the end of these games and how the possessions fall is crucial. I, I think the one thing that it unquestionably gives Minnesota is confidence. That's right. Because, hey, we've been here before. We usually pull these things out. Let's go do it again. They've done it six straight weeks. you, you got to believe that they are brimming with confidence if they get in another close one here with Buffalo. Hey, we're right where we always are. Let's just finish it off. So that begs the question, Steve, with the Bills' offense coming off a close loss, trying to recalibrate, maybe having to turn to a different quarterback, and a Bills' defense trying to get healthy and execute more consistently, should the Bills hope it's a close game? Because suddenly the thought of blowing an opponent off the field, it's misplaced right now with where the Bills yeah. sit health-wise and performance-wise. Yeah, hoping for, how, hoping for a kind of game is, I think, a little pointless. What you really try to do as a football team is to think about your play your best and expect the other team to play their best. You've got to play your best and then see what the scoreboard says. You you know, you you can't go in thinking, listen, if we get into a close game with this, we got to do this and this. You're just thinking, listen, play your best. Every play, every series, every quarter, every half, every game. And if you can do that, you're going to be in a position to have a chance to win it. That's what you've got to think. And and I don't and I do think you can't be and I think this is what we're we're getting to the confidence of the Minnesota Vikings and it's it's other teams the Bills have played too. Tennessee is is used to playing in close games because of the nature of their offense. Baltimore yeah. is used is used to playing uh, in close games and even though they've given up some uh, some comeback victories against themselves. You get these games against these teams that are used to doing it because of the style of play they have. Yeah. Buffalo and we and it's been widely reported, and when we've acknowledged it on Bills by the Numbers, <laughs> they can blow teams out. Yep, Chiefs can blow teams out. It's unusual for a team to be able to hang in there with them, and usually when they hang in there with them, it's because you can point to the Bills or the Chiefs stumbling yeah. rather than the other team outplaying them. So you just want to play your best, and you can't flinch like it's like vomit you don't want to blink when you get into these close games yeah and as i said a close game seems to be right where the vikings want to be but again steve i'm going back to the law of averages here i have to believe that the law of averages is going to catch up with the vikings are they always going to get just the execution they need to pull another close game out at the end i, I think it's a dangerous way to play in it this is. league because it's so tight in terms of margin for error I mean, don't get me wrong. They're a talented team. They've got one of the more talented rosters in the NFC Conference. But there's no way that they haven't been fortunate and lucky in some of those games to win all six of them. They're not high on the turnover scale um, in terms of turnovers lost, you know, giveaways. And uh, the other teams, in some way, shape, or form, have failed to execute. And the Vikings, to their credit have taken advantage, but i got to believe the ball is going to start bouncing against them at some point six in a row. I mean, you're really on the cusp of the law of averages turning on you and turning in a hurry. That's why people are like, that's why they're kind of off the radar. The, the Eagles are flying high. People are talking about them. Not too many people, even nationally, are talking about the Vikings because it's so easy to look at them and say, well, yeah, they, they've won some close games and they've gone up against a bunch of backup quarterbacks at times during their season. Mm -hmm. It's like, eh. It's like, People just don't believe it yet. Is it too good to be true? Kind yeah, of it's like, yeah, it's a little fragile to me. 
plus the turnover, the turnover, they haven't turned it over. And but that actually, I think you got to give the Vikings some yeah, credit for taking care of the ball. Uh, you take care of the football, and your defense gets some gets some turnovers. That's going to give you chances to win football games, and that's how you win close games. So while you can poke holes in some respects, in other respects, you got to give them full credit. And I believe at this, in, even at this point in history, seven and one's no fluke. <laughs> It might be harder than ever in a league that's so tightly packed. So it is impressive. We transition now to the numbers game, and we take a look at close games for the Bills in the McDermott era in a numbers game we call Keeping Score. Steve, are you ready? Yes. Okay, here we go. Question number one. In the Sean McDermott era, which season between 2017 and 2021 for the Bills had the most games decided by seven points or less. Most games decided by seven points or less uh, in the McDermott era. 2021. It is not 2021. It's got to be 2019. It is 2019. Nine games decided by seven points or less. That was a Bills team that was scoring 19.6 points per game, but playing lights-out defense. Right. Right. Nine games decided by seven got points or less. Got a ton of turnovers that year. Yeah. yeah. Uh... Number two, question number two. In the Sean McDermott era, which season between 2017 and 2021 for the Bills had the most games decided by three points or less? Three points or less in the McDermott era. Which season? Uh, I'll say 21. It was not 2021. 2019 again? It is not 2019 again. That's why I asked really? this question. Yeah. It'll be 18 then. It is 2020. Oh, really? So they had some high-scoring games, but they wow. were tight. You remember the Rams game, 35-32? Right. Mm-hmm. So there were four games in 2020 decided by three points oh, or less. Only four games. It seems like out of yeah. 16 games. It's not a lot, but it's the yeah. most in the McDermott era. That's, an, that's interesting. All right, we're going to flip it around now for question three, Steve. In which season in the McDermott era do the Bills have the most double-digit victories? I'll say, I'll say twenty twenty one. Yes, that would be correct. Eleven of them, eleven games by double digits. Yeah, they were they were lumping people up. I, you forget I, at the end of last regular season last year when they were going in and, and they had a, a playoff game coming in here against whoever uh, New England. The Bills were as healthy and flying high offensively. They were playing their best they football. Were, they, it, you were really positioned in a spot where you thought, wow. And it showed in those two playoff games, too, despite the fact that they lost that Chiefs game. They were they were humming. They were humming last year. It still hurts me. It does. Because they should have won the whole They thing. have been good enough to go to and win the Super Bowl for three years, 20, 21, and now 22. <sighs> we'll see if they can get it done. All right, question four. In the McDermott era, which season did the Bills have the most single-possession Losses. So close losses. Single oh, possession losses. That's got to be last year. They were 0 in like 2021. Believe it or not, you, yes, you're correct, but it's tied with 2019. Oh, yeah. Five single possession losses in both of those years. Pretty crazy. This, get, this team rarely loses by double digits. I know. Rarely. All right, final question, Steve. 
in the McDermott era, in which season did the Bills have their most victories of 20 points or more? Just blowing the team off the field. 20 points or more victories. It might be 19. Uh, It is not 2019. 2020? It's 2021. Oh, my gosh. Five wins by 20 points or more, just blowing people, people up off man. the field. Wow. Dang it, they should have won the whole dang thing last year. I can't get past it. I, know, they I were, can't get past it. They were good, man. They and they still are. They're In fact, I think in some ways, a lot of ways, they're better this year than they were last year. Uh, but the league changes around you all the time. Yeah. Teams, teams you know, fluctuate. And if you look at the AFC East right now, it's a juggernaut. It is a. It's a lot better than we a, anticipated. It is a wagon. Yeah, every team's, teams got that, a. Every team's got a winning record. Two teams with six wins. Dolphins and the Jets are ahead of schedule in terms of their and the development. Of the the program. Jets played, and I'll say this: the Jets played their best game of the season against the Bills and, and deserved to win, mm-hmm. um, mostly because Zach Wilson played mistake free or relatively so. Yeah, and that's that's a huge difference maker for a team mm-hmm. built like that. All right, good job in the numbers game, Steve. We move along now to a guy that has seen every one of Minnesota's one-score victories this season. So to get a better sense of this Vikings six-game winning streak, we bring in Vikings Radio Network sideline reporter and former linebacker Ben Lieber. All right, Ben, winners of six straight, all by one score or less. I need to ask you, how lucky have they been and how legitimate have they been in making the plays that they need to make in crunch time to win these games? Well, if you're talking about the plays they need to make in crunch time, they've been absolutely legit. Now, look, there's been some some lucky breaks. Uh, there's some coaching decisions in the Detroit game by, by Dan Campbell, I think really kind of helped our team out, at least give us opportunities to make some plays. But guys, the biggest difference from two years ago under Mike Zimmer and his staff to this year with Kevin O'Connell is we're making those critical plays when we need to at the end of the second half, at the end of the game, um, they just seem to find another gear. We can't really put a finger on why, but uh, resiliency is the word that keeps popping up around the whole team and the locker room. And, uh, and they've shown it. Yeah. They've also, and if you're going to sit here and poke holes in their record, you you look at the quarterbacks they faced and some of the guys that, you know, they have not faced. Uh, and it looks like there's a chance they may not face Josh Allen this week. Um, how big a factor has that been? Well, that's been a big factor. I mean, no, no doubt. Um, I don't think that anybody is looking at this uh, sideways and in a delusional fashion of like, Oh, look at us. We're, we're beating our chest. We're this great team. No, they they will talk about after every game, um, you know, look, they're just they're making the right place at the right time. Are they happy with their consistency? No, they're not. They they really haven't played a full, complete game in all three phases, although the special teams is probably the most consistent of all three phases. Um, they I think they see it clearly. They're they're not um, they're not looking at this as like, oh, we've seen every team's best and we've gotten every team's best. Um so they understand some of the matchups, and they understand that there are some key pieces uh, missing from every team. But, hey, all they can do is go out there and play the game and try to win, and that's what they've been doing. Big move for them at the deadline, Ben, with TJ Hawkinson. And I have to say, for four days of prep, maybe even less than that, depending on what he got in there and passed his physical, uh, to master a playbook and be as heavily involved as he was last week, nine receptions and a major factor in that game. 
what what has been said about the cram session that TJ Hawkinson <laughs> pulled off last week to contribute the way that he did? It's un, it's remarkable. I mean, I, I honestly I can't believe it. We thought going into the into that game last week that oh uh, well, we might see TJ and like you know just some red zone stuff and you know maybe some critical third down step where he split out where he feels comfortable, but. Nobody imagined that he was going to be ready to go to be a tight end in the core, in the run game, all that stuff, you know, working on double teams with Darisaw and, and, and Munt. And, and so what he did and then to have the energy to go out and play the game is truly remarkable. And, you know, there's a lot of people that helped him out along the way, but um, a lot of players even said they can't even believe it. They can't believe, you know, Adam Thien was talking about, I can't believe that he picked up his offense as well as he did. You know, are, are there some points in the game where it looked like, you know, he was a step slow, half a step slow, just a little bit unsure, especially in the run blocking stuff? Sure. And that was expected. But as far as the pass routes go and what he was able to execute in the way that he was able to execute it is is awesome. What has been the engine of the offense and likewise the defense? I mean, what makes those teams go? Well, I think truly um, the leadership is a lot different. Um there's an ownership, I think, from the players. There's this total buy-in. And I know that the, all those things seem really, really cliche, but um, I think all of that stuff matters. You know, from the start of the offseason, when all of these guys got together, um, they they bought into what Kwesi and KOC were doing. And, you know, that's you can say all those things, but then when you start actually, you know, rolling off some wins, I think there is a complete buy-in now. You guys have seen all the, the videos with Kirk. I mean, that is... That's real. You know, he feels like he's truly now a part of the team. Um, as great as Mike Zimmer was for this franchise, I mean, he was, he was, in my estimation, the perfect coach at the perfect time for what the team needed and what the organization needed. Um, there became, it seemed like a division between the team. It seemed like it was offense versus defense, even in the course of the season. Um, I always think that whether you're an offensive coach or a defensive coach, you have to have a great relationship with your quarterback. And that just did not happen under Mike Zimmer. So um, the fact that Kirk can truly lead, guys can really embrace him. He can feel like he can be himself on an everyday basis. I think this just helped the, the health of this team immensely. And then defensively, it's been a heck of a tandem, you know, with Zedarius and Daniil. Um, mm -hmm. It seems like when one guy doesn't necessarily have the sack production in one week, the other guy's getting it. I mean, whether, you know, Zadarius has a three-sack game, the next week it's Daniil with a two-sack game. How have those two played off one another so successfully? Well, it's been, it's been a kind of a slow roll for Daniil. You know, there was a point, in, you know, not too long ago that we were wondering what's going on with Daniil. You know, we were asking several weeks, like, why is he not up to speed? Is this is this new three four scheme not fitting him? You know, I think you're, they're starting to figure him out as well. You see a, with it, see him with his hand on the ground a little bit more. He's moving around the, the line of scrimmage a little bit more. Uh, you'll see him as a right defensive end uh, at times more than in the early part of the season. Um, I think collectively they're starting to just understand their roles, and I think the big part of it too is Dalvin Tomlinson. I mean, he's kind of this unsung hero of the defense. He was injured this last game. It doesn't sound like he's going to be playing uh, against Buffalo this weekend. But getting that that inside pressure with him is has helped out our pass rush hugely. And, and it can allow those guys to work on the outside, allow those guys not have to worry about too many double teams and too many chips um, because our guys on the inside are getting some good rushes. So uh, 
all that stuff has worked out perfectly. They're trending in the right direction. And, you know, it's allowed us to not have to blitz much. So, if you know, going to face a team like you guys, uh, if Josh Allen does play, um, I think this is a good situation for those guys to be in for the back, the back seven to just play coverage. Yeah, there's a ton of kind of cool storylines in this one. Dalvin Cook and James Cook. Uh, you got Steph Diggs coming back, Case Keenum coming back to, you know, the miracle in Minneapolis. That crew's coming back, you know, is going to be here waiting on the Minnesota Vikings to come to town. What is the overriding story in this game, and how do the Vikings fans and maybe the team view this Buffalo Bills team and the road game they're about to face? Well, I think everybody knows uh, that you guys in Buffalo with the Bills have a, a true Super Bowl contender. Um, and that's how everybody's viewing this game. And that's why I think everybody is hungry and they want to see Josh Allen because they want that barometer game. They want to see how they stack up against the NFL's best, regardless if it's in a different conference. Um, this is a big game for them. You know, um, they uh, the litmus test, all that stuff is true. Uh, they Everything that we talked about in the, in the beginning part of this podcast, whether or not is this team for real, this is the game that everybody had circled on the calendar as of, as of recently. Well, this is the deciding game. This is going to tell us a lot that we, that we want to know from this team. So I hope that we get this team's best. Um, you know, also you got to look at Leslie Frazier. You know, I played under Leslie when, when I was uh, a linebacker with the Vikings, you know, there's another connection that, and, and a lot of, uh, you know, front office people still have a big connection and ownership. So has a big connection to Leslie. So there's yet another storyline of a, a Minnesota guy over in Buffalo. Ben, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. We'll see you here in Buffalo on Sunday. All right. Thanks, guys. Good luck. Who wants to win a million dollars? Maybe it's you. Well, you can with FanDuel's free pick-em-style game, high-low. Pick teams for four different stat categories that you think will score the highest or the lowest for the week. The more you get right, the more you can win. Get them all correct, and you could take home a million dollars. Just go to FanDuel.com slash high-low to play, and that's H I. L-O. I've got the high and low for points this week, Steve. High for points. It's hard to not to take Kansas City, who are home against the Jaguars. Jacksonville's a solid 11th in points allowed, but they've been playing a last-place schedule. The rubber meets the road this week for their defense. I can see the Chiefs rolling up 30 without a problem. Low for points. I'm going with the Packers. Their problems are not fixable as I see it. And they're going against one of the best defenses in football in the Dallas Cowboys. Hello! Green Bay might be able to run the ball a bit on Dallas, but I just don't see him putting up points. Packers low for points. All right. So now I've got high for I've got passing yards. High for passing yards. Uh, I hate to do it, but I'm taking the Finns. Two has been he, they're lighting it up down there. They've got it going on. They come together as an offense, and they're going against the Browns who have a good pass rush, but it's not going to make a difference when Tua gets rid of the ball so quickly. They get, they're getting yak yards. They're nicking people for big plays. I think the Dolphins are going to ring up some yards against the Cleveland Browns. And for low on passing yards, your New York football giants. It is a, it's a Saquon Barkley show over there. Uh, Daniel Jones is being asked just not to turn it over, and he's actually being asked to run yeah, the ball quite a bit, a lot. a lot more than they have in the past, and they're playing the Texans. Um, I think this is going to be Saquon all day, all day. Yeah. High for rushing yards. I like the Bears a lot. They've been rolling up rushing yards the last three games. Like, they're, like it's a buy one, get one free sale. They're, I'm telling you, Justin Fields is a bigger part of their run game lately. He had 178 rushing yards himself last week, and they're facing a Lions team that, as we know, 
Can't stop anyone. Last in the league in total defense, 31st against the run. Chicago high for rushing yards. Low for rushing yards, I've got the Chargers. They've had trouble running the ball all season. They use a short passing game often as a substitute for that. They're facing a fierce 49ers run front that is getting healthier. Number one in the league against the run, the Niners are. Chargers low for rushing yards. All right, finally, high for sacks. I'm feeling good about the Dallas Cowboys against the Green Bay Packers. Mm. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' internal clock is broken. Um, Their offense is broken. Uh, I think Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence are going to be on top of Aaron Rodgers all day. <laughs> Low for sacks, I've got your Detroit Lions. Um, with Justin Fields playing the way he is, with his green light to take off whenever he runs, I don't think the Lions are going to be able to catch him. Uh, I think it's going to be hard for Detroit to corral him for a sack, let alone stopping him from making a big play. So okay. I'm going to take Detroit Lions for low in sacks. All right, that is high-low for Week 10. We now bring you our closing figures for the week. We've heard national media criticize the Bills for their 2-2 two and two record in close games this season. One of the reasons it's been tricky for Buffalo is the fourth quarter is their lowest-scoring quarter this season, Steve. Only 16% of their points have been scored in the final quarter, just 36 points. Meanwhile, the Vikings who have six victories by one score or less, have scored their highest number of points in the fourth quarter. 36% of their scoring in the final stanza. They've scored twice as many points as the Bills in the fourth quarter this season, 70-36. to That'll do it for this edition of Bills by the Numbers. Please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use or watch us on the Bills YouTube channel. Just punch in Bills by the Numbers and there will be us because when you need to know about the Bills, you need to check Bills by the Numbers. For Steve Tasker, I'm Chris Brown. We'll catch you next week, everybody. 